Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. All right, welcome back to episode 29. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a great episode for you. Uh, Today's guest, she's an expert in women and children's pelvic health physical therapy, helping those with chronic pelvic pain, prenatal and postpartum pelvic issues, including musculoskeletal pain and incontinence. She's also the past president of the Academy of Pelvic Health, PT, within the American Physical Therapy Association, Please welcome Dr. Carrie Pagliano. Carrie, thanks for coming on the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be on. This is awesome. Yes, this is uh, a long time coming uh, for sure. I know you were you messaged me like right away when I started the podcast. You're like, I was like, where's the ladies? Yes, you did. Yes, <laughs> yes, and and they were they they have been on, and now I have, yes. I have and now I have you. So awesome! Uh, I'm yes. excited. No, I'm I'm excited for this, and uh, yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, so let's, uh, let's dive in here. Uh, let's talk about your story. You are a fellow physical therapist. Yeah. Um, where did you, when did you first decide you want to become a physical therapist? Where'd that start? Um, I honestly, I, I joke now, you know, this is 20 some odd years later that I just, I got super lucky, um, back in high school, you know, my, I grew up in a family where you need to have a job and make a living to pay for your hobbies kind of thing. And (laughs) I just got lucky that I got a job that I liked. And I I thought maybe I wanted to do something. I I did a lot of sports and and maybe do something um, like that. And I kept trying to look up sports medicine and there really wasn't a thing. And the closest I could come to it was PT and um, did some observation hours, thought it was kind of good. And um, really got super lucky falling into an entry-level program where you basically go five years straight through and you come out and you're a PT and um, not realizing that years later, that would save me a lot of money. (laughs) But um, no, actually, the the interesting thing is um, probably about two years, maybe a year and a half, two years into becoming a PT, I actually stopped and wanted to go back to med school and then had a coming to Jesus with myself and realized ah. I did not want to go back wow. to school again for that long and then kind of started over from scratch again. And so uh, it, it wasn't as clean. Uh, like I want to be a PT when I grew up for my entire life. It wasn't that at all. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I, I think my story is very similar. Cause I like, was it, it was in high school. I got first exposed to physical therapy cause I got injured and yeah. I was like, I like helping people. I like how he helped me work. He works with athletes, similar like sports yep. medicine feel. And I kind of fell into a program that was, it was University of Scranton's. I had to, hey. it was a guaranteed seat program at a high school where basically yep. all I had to do I was maintain a certain yep. GPA. And I was accepted into their, um, their, their program. 
And, uh, but then after my junior year, basically senior year, basically my senior year, I was like, ah, maybe I don't want to do physical therapy. Yeah. And, uh, and then there was this, this year of, uh, debate. And I kind of, I took that gap year before I was like, all right, like, let's go back and let's do physical therapy again. What, yeah. what was it that made you want to go to med school? You know what, what I think the big thing was I graduated in 1999 and that's when kind of the bottom dropped out of PT. Like there were like PT schools were crammed. Like it was harder to get into med school. I'm sorry, into PT school than med school at that point. And the year I graduated six out of the 60 in my class had jobs. Like it was, it, it got trashed. And so I had wanted to go travel, maybe do like neuro and work with spinal cord and that sort of thing. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm desperately trying to find a job. And I I got one in Philadelphia working for um, a woman who I met my last clinical, she owned a home care company. So my first job was doing home care in North and West Philly. Oh boy. Which is scary as hell. Um, my patients were super nice. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, I, right, right. I was averaging a death every three weeks uh, okay. of clients, um, and I did that for about three and a half months. And then a job came up back in upstate New York um, at a rural hospital, and begrudgingly I went home. And I just, it, it was, you know, rural hospital. You get to do everything. Yeah. But we also had like 17 techs and everybody was doing like shortwave diathermy and ultrasound and like a million versions of heat. And I'm like, well, I don't want to, this is not what I want to do either. I'd like to use my brain. And so part of it was just not being in a space where um, I was working with good physical therapists or I had a good demonstration of what good PT was. And I was like, well, I don't want to be a technician. I don't want to do this. Right. Um, was, was that, um, it's kind of, it's kind of like, this year for a lot of PT students who are graduating and then like coming yeah. out of school after, you know, now, I mean, your program was five years, but you said before, like in terms of saving money, uh, they're coming out after seven years of uh, collecting oh. student loan debt and, and yeah. uh, the, the job market in PT world now is, is. Uh, well, and, and that's the thing. I, I talked to a lot of PT students. I'm um, adjunct over at Marymount University. I talked to a lot of our students and they're like, well, the first question inevitably we want they, that they want to talk about is not my business or not how did you get to this point or whatever. It's how did you pay off your loans? And I tell them, I'm like, you know, with all due respect, I paid my loans off pretty quickly because the price wasn't that high, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's a completely different thing, but I'm like, this isn't the first time in the history of our profession that there haven't been jobs. And the fact of the matter is it's not going to be the last. So if you want to, if this is really what you want to do, you got to put your head down and work. Um, Yeah. It's, it's uh, interesting because I, I mean, it was really only in the last year where I like, you know, I'm five years out now over five years out or I've been paying my student loans for five years. And, uh, (laughs) and and, yeah, like, you know, I I wish I kind of like paid a little bit more attention to that because now I'm like five years and I'm like at the point in my life now where I'm like, I want to like, you know, we're, we're, we're getting a dog. Um, yes, that's right. We're getting the thing. Yeah. Yes. yes. Bernie's mountain dog. Coming. Kids are way more expensive. Let me tell you. Yeah. You know, you want to, you want to buy a house, you want to get married, all that stuff. A lot of shit. And, yeah. and I'm like, I like, you know, kind of realized the last five years, you know, I like was paying my student loans at like, a, I thought was a good chunk. And then all of a sudden I look up and I'm like, you know, you've, you've barely scratched the surface and you're yeah. like, 
oh man, this is this is uh you know something where you really have to like bear down and like it's adult like, stuff. Get, yeah. Oh yeah, it's definitely it's adult stuff. stuff. <laughs> I guess I guess now that I'm actually paying my student loans, I guess I classify as an adult now. I think that's the yes, you are. You are welcome. It's yes, lovely exactly. Here. <laughs> but yeah, I remember when, when I when I graduated from undergrad and I had my my gap year and my loans kicked in that November, you know, and and they were um they were probably about thirty thousand dollars, and I was like, all right, like you know, it's like I was paying three hundred dollars a month. I'll pay it off within ten years, like. Yeah. didn't really think, didn't think much about that. I was like, okay, like that's something I can manage. And then I like, you know, graduate PT school and now they're 130,000. Yeah. And I was like, Oh God. Yeah. yeah. It's like, where do we, yeah. Like, like, where do you even like go to like, you know, like, like start to scratch the surface on that. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's definitely interesting. And then, uh, and then that's the thing like with med school, like you get the, you know, you can, you got like the crazy student loan debt, but then you have the, uh, on the flip side, you have the compensation where you can actually pay it off. Yeah, but I just wasn't like, I, I, I went so far as even, I, I sat for my MCATs and I got on the other side of that and thank God I had like a coming to Jesus. And I was like, wait a second, this is not what I want to do. I don't want to be in school this long. Um, th- there's got to be something different. And around that time, I took a job working for one of the large corporate clinics. And this was like early 2000s. And it was the best and the worst year because they were expecting me to see 27 patients a day plus manage a clinic. And I'm like, that's not a good idea either. I wanna be in the clinic. I wanna be a clinician. I wanna think. I don't wanna do crappy PT. And so that kind of really was the impetus to be like, all right, can we start this thing over again? Right. Um, and that's, that's kind of, it was almost like a reboot at that point. So, so have you always worked in like outpatient? Um, no, when I was in upstate New York, that was a little bit, we, I was in everywhere. I mean, we were in a rural hospital, so I was, I actually was specializing in wound care at the time. Um, and wound care is great because the wound is either, either better or it's not like there's no, it's not like working <laughs> was, in pain. I was going to ask uh, you if you, if you had to, uh, deal with the wound care, that was one yeah. of my, uh, that was one of my very, uh, queasy queasy days. Yes. There's, there's some funky stuff around, but again, like it's either better, it's not. So if you're into instant gratification, it's actually really good for that. <laughs> but, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I remember yeah. like a couple times in my rotations in PT school where I got exposed to wound care and you're just like, you, you, I just knew right away. I was like, this isn't for me. This isn't yeah. Like but again, I mean, I, I'm in pelvic health. It's not like, you know, it's not like a huge leap that I made, you know? Right, right, <laughs> so. right, right. So, so at what point, now, did you, I guess, realize that you could, you know, develop this niche within the public yeah. health world? So when, when I kind of got away from home, I came back to, to DC just to get out quite honestly, and took a job in public health and really didn't know what I was doing. And then really kind of separated them and, and really went back and got my baseline in orthopedics and was treating them very separately and separately both in the clinic and in my brain. And then um, I I, I honestly don't even know what the impetus was, but uh, I I started to realize that it was just, you know, it was just orthopedics, but it's just in this warm, dark place that really nobody talks about. Right. And, And then I'm like, well, why can't I apply all my orthopedic principles and my pain science and all the things that I learned in this other stuff because the research, honestly, in pelvic floor and pelvic issues is really crappy. And in postpartum, it's not great because nobody's going to do the research um, during pregnancy that says, if you do this, it kills your baby. Like no one's ever going to sign up for that research, you know? Right. Um, so I think that was the allure too, is that I was 
really having a tough time, you know, working with mentors that are like, you have to do this, this exact way. And there's like 17 million details and you have to assess this tiny little thing. And um, I, I was like, I, I was much happier where I was problem solving and critical thinking and um, really just kind of using my creativity, um, which you don't really think of in medicine or, you know, the type of stuff that we do, I was right. able to use my creativity to problem solve. Yeah. And I, I think for me, that's really what made the difference. Like the complex things that people were not interested in, that's where I'm like, well, what if we try this? I know nobody's done that, but what if we try this? Maybe it'll work. Yeah. Um, that's, so. that's why I love like, like, and I think you do it too, like one-on-one -on -one for like for an hour, right? That's how long your, yeah. your appointments are. Right. So like yeah. you have like that whole hour to where you can actually problem solve and like think about things yeah. versus like you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Yeah. Well, and you have, you have a hot second to think. And again, I, I you know, there's, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, should, should, what's the value in the, in the DPT, the value is that I actually have something to re reflect what I believe my skill set is. I'm not a technician. If you want cookie cutter, go down the street. If you want somebody to actually sit down and listen to you. And that's why telehealth, honestly, during COVID has worked so well for me because really like people are like, well, don't you need to, to see me to touch me? And I'm like, actually my yeah. exam is just to confirm what I already think is going on because I already have a sense of the patterns that I see and I've actually listened to you and I've kind of put that together into a hypothesis that I would just confirm. And most of the time, like I'm very seldom surprised by myself. So I, I, I think I had an instructor in PT school who was like, if you take a good, you know, subjective history of your patient, yeah. you, you're going to know, you know, 90, yeah, 99%, you're going to know exactly what's going on. And it's, and I kind of, you know, I definitely, you know, kind of snickered at the time, but it's absolutely right. Like, like, you know, taking good, you know, being able to listen, take that time to actually listen yeah. to someone, talk about their problems and what they've done and what has worked, what hasn't worked. And then confirming it with, with some movement, uh, right. you know, that that's the ticket right there. I don't need yeah. to put my hands on someone. I can, but I don't need to. Right. Exactly. And I think that that's hard. It was harder in the beginning of COVID, not so much now, but like, um, you know, people's perception of what physical therapy is. And I'm like, and especially pelvic floor, because they think my index finger is the only thing that makes me important and helpful because I examine internally. I'm like, yeah, no, I do like most of my stuff external. That's just this tiny little bit that we really only need to do if we have to. The, the reason why I'm good at what I do is because of how I think and how I look at stuff. It's not because of how I can feel or how I can manipulate or, or whatever, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think, um, having that ability to, you know, just be able to connect with them and then yeah. you know, they get to, they get to see that, Oh, this isn't cause I'm sure there's, there's like people have their ideas of what pelvic health therapy is like. And, and yeah. then you're like, oh, actually it's, yeah, like you said, it's just, just let's start with a, a conversation before we yeah. you know, well, need to I, dig I'm into anything deeper. Pretty lucky. Like the, my, almost like my sub niche in my practice, um, has been a lot of women that have gone to see other people and other clinicians and haven't either been listened to or haven't gotten their problem solved. And so that's almost like the nice setup with clients that come to see me. They've already made the decision that they need something else and they need something different than what they've already gotten. Yeah. And then kind of in that too, you know, I've, I've hyper niched down to working, you know, with primarily women athletes and, you know, again, not everybody understands in pelvic health land, you know, 
how to work with a runner because they don't have any orthopedic background or what to do in a certain part of an Olympic lift because they've got it stuck in their head that they women shouldn't be lifting anyway with prolapse, which couldn't be further from the truth. So that's, that's where I think just being super upfront with like, Hey, this is what I'm really good at. Um, It's nice that people they're going to, they're going to get what, what they see. They're going to get what they really need that might be beyond what the general kind of um, pelvic health practitioner would provide. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it's interesting because I think, you know, PT as a whole, is co- it's so like straight and narrow, like, like, you know, we can, you know, help you, you know, stand up out of a chair, you know, yeah. but then like, you know, what about the person that wants to squat? Yep. You know, what about the person who wants to squat, but has pelvic floor issues? And it's yep. like, it's, it's, it's very uh, like a narrow spectrum. And there's this gap that like, you know, I know I work, I work to bridge um, just with like from from like the rehab side to the performance side, yes, but then you much. throw in, you know, the, the pelvic health side of things. And, and then it's like, it's the same idea of like, how do we, you know, bridge that gap um, yeah. for an individual? Well, I'll be honest. I mean, there was a period of time and I'm, I'm ashamed of this. Like I used to look at somebody with like CSCS like you and be like, why do you have that? You know, like, why do you need that? And now I look at it as this massive asset because the majority PTs don't know how to progress beyond the mat. They don't know how to, and especially with something like running or lifting, there's a few steps in between. (laughs) And at the, at the end of the day, when it comes to, you know, comes to like, you know, getting out of a chair, that's a squat, you know, when it comes to picking up a box, that's a deadlift, you know, uh, not, you know, pushing a walker and pushing a sled, not that different, you know, these are all the piece there I think that's missing um, is what we run into, especially in the postpartum. And that's really where I, I spend a bulk of my time now. When I was trying to rehab back after my kids, ironically ending up with pretty much every single issue that I treat, um, there was no there was no voice to show you that connection. There was, um, and there, all the voices from my uh, professional uh, kind of world was saying, don't do these things. These things are bad for you. Like the whole like 2013 CrossFit where, yeah, it's totally fine to pee when you do workouts. Like that yeah. wasn't helpful either. No. Um, and so you're, you're sitting in this point of conflict where I'm like, all right, professionally, it says I shouldn't be doing this, but really this is the only way I can find the answer. And then you have to mentally reconcile like, okay, I'm doing something bad, but yeah. it's actually something good. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think all PT programs should have, oh, yeah. you know, the, it, the, you know, the fundamental basics of like how to teach a squat, how yes. to teach a hinge, how to teach yep. a press. Cause those are all movements we do in life. And I was, I was just having a, a talk with um, a student this morning, PT student mm-hmm. this morning. And he was saying, he's like, he's like, they're just priority. Their priorities are just elsewhere. And you know, I, I see where I see, I see where they're, what you mean, what he means by that. But at the same time though, I think that's, you know, whether it's a class, you know, yeah. or just a portion of a therapy, you know, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you, my, my therapeutic exercise class, that was a waste of my time. No, and, I hear you. I hear and, you. And not just mine because I had experience as a strength coach prior to PT right. school, but my whole class, you know, cause, yeah. cause you're like, cause, cause there was no point. I mean, there was no point where we were like, like, there was no point where we learned exercises. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I would agree. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, and so I think there needs to be, you know, whether it's part of that class or whether, you know, or, or what it needs to be, but I think that it needs to be a component where people are able, able yeah. to walk out of PT school with that fundamental basic. Knowledge. Yeah. 
Well, with, with that one, it's I, I'm one of those people, I really like to understand where people are coming from. And so as an adjunct, and I'm super lucky, our chair at Marymount Sky Donovan is a good friend of mine. And she pulls in every guest lecturer she possibly can for all these things. Like I, there's a pelvic component in every single class. Um, and Makes so it's, it's meant to be that I know you're not going to walk out being a pelvic physical therapist, but you can at least screen out and treat the things that you know how to do. And then save the stuff that's, that's, um, more specific. But I think the other thing too, and I, I signed up to be an item writer for our national exam and just kind of understanding the requirements to meet kind of uh, our licensure. And then also all the other things that people want to add increases the time that, that PTs are in PT school, which is going to turn around and increase the price. So really what needs to happen is we need to clear out all these programs, put the basic stuff, re-agree on what the basics are. Oh yeah. Kind of do a do over. (laughs) There's definitely a, you know, a a superfluous, superfluous, that's a key word, (laughs) amount of just stuff that, that, you know, we get taught in PT school and like, it's excessive. You know, there, there's yeah. definitely like a, an excessive amount of things that I learned or, you know, sat through, uh, yeah. in, in PT school that, you know, just, just didn't, you know, w- weren't necessary. You know, we had, yeah. I remember we had this one <laughs> psychosocial class, um, which you think about it, like now, like as a PT for five years, so I'm like, different. I'm like, yeah. I'm like psych, you know, biopsychosocial, you know, all that stuff is so important, you know, the, all those treating those issues. And we spent one class, I remember we just talked about you know, how everyone has different holiday traditions. Like yeah. we sat there and literally went one by one through the class and was like, Mike, what's your family's holiday tradition? John, what's your holiday tradition? And I was like, are we doing this for a whole class? It was like, cause there were certain times you just felt like the, they were There's just there. some relevance there. Should it be the whole time? I don't know, but. That's I, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. I mean, it's, it's, but this is where, when I'm talking to, to newer therapists and I, I honestly, I'm so sorry. I keep forgetting. You're still kind of fresh. Like I still, kind of <laughs> I, I, it's weird to say like five I'm years. I'm an old lady though. Like I, and I don't feel I'm, like it. <laughs> I feel like I'm in like the in-between stage of my career now. Cause like, yeah, I feel like. like you are. The, the new grads don't claim me anymore. Um, yeah, nobody wants you. Yeah, the new grads don't <laughs> claim me anymore. And then the old, the older therapists are like, you haven't seen anything yet. And and, no, uh, and that, yeah, I don't so know why like, either. So we can, and we can like, I'm at five together. years, but it's, it's even like crazier for me to say that I've been like in like the fitness world for 10 years. Right. And, and like, you know, I've been doing this since I was like 20, 20, I'm 31 since I was 21. And, uh, yeah. you know, that's even more like crazy for me to say. And I'm like, damn, like, where, where'd that well, go? I think the thing though, when, and and I'm at that stage where like, it's like people ask you to look back and, you know, I, and and this is what I tell younger PTs and like, look, I had no idea where the hell I was going. Like if you told me in PT school that I was going to be sitting here and I would have my bread and butter based on vaginas, I like, no way. Like (laughs) I would have laughed (laughs) out of of the room. Um, But the fact of the matter is if I go back and I think about what kind of basic values and what basic things that I was interested in that point. I, I remember wanting to have my NCS, um, you know, whether or not, you know, and, and I've got two board of certifications that just mean that I know how to take a good test. Like that doesn't make me good at what I do, but I wanted to have, I wanted to be really good at what I did. I wanted to be well-respected. I wanted to be looked to that I knew what I was talking about. And I think honestly, that's probably why 
I had turned to medicine a little bit too, is because, you know, you grow up thinking that that's your authority person. Like you want somebody to trust that'll know that will take care of you. That part hasn't changed. Right. Um, and what I learned in PT school was not to kill somebody. Like I, I learned, honestly, that's, like, that's what it teaches you. Absolutely. That's what it teaches you. <laughs> um, now at what point, you know, having you, you know, you, you're a mom, you have two kids. Yes. Two that I'm aware of. Yes. Two yes. that I'm aware of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, how did that uh, change, you know, your, yeah. your views, your, your treatment, your, your thoughts, your method, methodology on, uh, you know, with pelvic health? Uh, it, I, I can't even, there's no words that can describe it. Um, I, and I, I, you know, it's the DC area. We have a lot of older moms. I'm an older mom. So I, I feel that I can speak to this is that it's the first point in your life where you can't control everything. And leading up to that, my pregnancy with my son, I had all these plans. I was going to run through pregnancy and I was going to be this fit mom and everything was going to be great. Of course. And I laminated my birth plan, like, because I was being kind. I was like, well, you, they want to read it. And the lamination, I do love lamination, but. I was going to say, I feel like you're a, you're a laminator. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I laminated my damn birth plan. Like who the hell does that? <laughs> and so like, that's kind of my, my cry to women. Now I'm like, literally the second you conceive is the second you start to lose control. So like, it's like with your puppy, like you, you've decided to get a puppy. You've already lost some control oh, here. So. I was, I've been out of control. <laughs> this household for years, I've been out of control. Second I moved in with Megan, I lost control. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well now actually, yeah, you, you, you're continually losing control, but um, no, my, my delivery with my son um, was far from what I had planned. Um, and, you know, even a couple years later, um, and we had a, a miscarriage in between again, like nothing that you plan. And then with my daughter, who's now seven, you know, trying to put myself in a situation that I could feel comfortable with the decisions that I was making and what I had control over deciding. And ironically through all that ended up with some prolapse, ended up with some stress incontinence, ended up with diastasis recti. And then I also have history. Um, I had FAI surgery in my hip almost 15 years ago um, and kind of some back issues and trying to reconcile all of that and trying to understand how to navigate it yourself when you're supposed to be the expert in it and um, learn far more in kind of my attempt to try and figure it out for myself that I think that's what makes me, you know, a rock solid advocate for moms now because moms come out with so much guilt that I should have been able to do this, or I should, I should be the perfect mom, or I should be this. And, and social media doesn't help in some yeah. ways, but it also can be super helpful than others because I can use it as a platform to be like, Hey, this is my day job. Like my actual day job, yeah. they pay me for this. And I still like, I didn't see this stuff coming. So for you to not know anything about this and the science wasn't there and it's still not there. Like, please don't guilt yourself and let's figure this out together. Um, so I don't know that I would ever have been able to not only sit where I'm sitting right now, but use the voice that I have in the way that I have without my kids. Yeah. Um, so did you, did you work with your own pelvic floor therapist? Uh, ironically, no, <laughs> I'm a DIY kind of girl. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair no, enough. so this is this is a true story. 
Um, my physical therapist, the only person I let touch me, um, is the, he's now the PT for the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and now in Australia on vacation right now, he was a colleague of mine when we worked at Georgetown and, um, probably the smartest PT I ever worked with sports guy. And mm. one day he just walked by me and it was this weird, strange thing. And he's like, I think you and I think a lot alike. And then he walked away. And I didn't know quite how to take that. <laughs> um, and I was like, is that a good or a bad thing? And he was actually treating me for some back and SI issues because I still hadn't gotten great rehab after my FAI surgery. Because again, we didn't know anything 15 years ago. No. Um, still not great with FAI. No, it's still not great. It's, it's still yeah. not great. That's actually how I got into lifting was like, we weren't loading things back then. Yeah. And so we started like we were working things were going really well and all of a sudden everything crashed and we're like what the heck is going on and ironically he also taught me how to do real-time ultrasound and he was imaging me during a class he's like gosh your uterus is big and I'm like what does that mean <laughs> and I was pregnant with my my son oh so my um yeah so I I I don't really trust anybody else <laughs> for my Fair. own pelvic floor issues <laughs> Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. But I think, you know, going back to the social media thing, I think, you know, it's, I think it's awesome because you do such a, a good job of bringing it, bringing it up, you, you know, discussing those things, because I think, you know, it's been taboo, you know, for, for yeah. forever, right. That you shouldn't talk about it or, or it's normal. Uh, and I think, you know, you do a great job of actually, you know, talking about it on social media where, you know, there's, there's plenty of moms out there at three in the morning up breastfeeding or yeah. just not sleeping. And, you know, they're, uh, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, so that's not normal, you know? Yeah. And I, the biggest thing with a lot of these public health issues is like, you know, people think it's, you know, it's, it's common. Right. Not normal. That's the biggest yeah. like, takeaway I feel like from most, like what I've seen from the public health world is that like, you know, people are have this like idea in their heads, like, oh yeah, well, I only pee a little bit when I squat heavy, or I right. only pee a little bit when I run. And, right. you know, but, but everybody does that. And it's like, no. The interesting thing about that, like that was very, um, that common, but not normal. That was very kind of new and revolutionary, probably in like 2013. And it's just starting to catch up now. And I see a real dichotomy at this point um, within my own field I was like, oh, every woman should have PT, da, da, da. And, and it's interesting kind of in my outgoing role in leadership, like I actually don't believe that. Um, and this is why, let me unpack that, okay. is that, it, and, and, and I think it makes more sense in the context of this year. And I've had, I've had conversations with a lot of women on DMs about this, is let's say you are two or three in the morning, you're nursing, you're exhausted, you're reading this, oh, you need to get PT. Let's say you live in the middle of Podunk, middle of nowhere, upstate New York and 70 miles away to the, the, the nearest physical therapist that can handle you. Now what? Well, crap, if I can't do that, then I'm doomed. And so that's where I really, I, I, it's easier to see in the rearview mirror, but you kind of feel these things that have driven you. Like you and I both grew up in, in reasonably rural areas. Like the opportunities that existed for us as kids are not what we have, you know, living in a DC metropolitan area. Right. How do I make sure that, you know, how do I reach people that don't have the ability to come see me or how do I reach people that 
maybe their PT is great for like just basic things. But I mean, I had a conversation with um, a woman yesterday that she's working with a trainer that I know in, in Canada, in Ontario, and her, she's, she's an Olympic lifter. Like this is what she does. And the coach is telling her we're on the same wavelength. Like, yeah, actually this is great for prolapse. Like there's data now to support this. And her physio who in the, the woman's eyes is a level up because she's a physio says, no, you should only be doing body weight exercises. God. And I'm like, ah, what do I do? Like, and so like, that's where I am now is like, yes, I have, I'm able to impact one-on-one here, but that's where this year, and, and this was a pre-COVID thought too, like how can I impact not only more women that may not have access because of where they live and where they grew up, which is very much my, my story as a kid, um, but then also how do I impact those therapists that weren't as motivated to find the literature, to do the, to, to, to do the things that I have done to get to where I am? How do I speed that process up. Right. Maybe we don't have to have two kids and a miscarriage to be able to learn it. Like how do right. I do that? And that's, I think a lot where my focus has gone more this year is like, I, I want to do the big thing. Like how do I, how do I get that message across? Um, and that's where my involvement, you know, teaching adjunct and talking to students and talking to other therapists and doing podcasts and that kind of stuff. Like it's just planting that seed that there's not just one way to do things that, that, you know, we can level up and it's right. not to take this whole big, massive thing. So, but, but it does. Yeah, exactly. It's getting it out there. And like, I mean, how do we, how do we do that? How do we, how do we get to those communities where we're able to, cause I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's all yeah. over. I mean, you probably go down to, you know, uh, ward seven and ward eight here, you yeah. know, in DC and it's, you know, the same thing versus, you know, the you know rural communities at Virginia it's like it's like how do we how do we spread that awareness exactly and that's I mean you know the first part of that is like and and I mean there's a bunch of ways you can hit that like this this entry-level class and I had nothing to do with it um it's just my my program is the most diverse entry-level PT class that we've ever had at Marymount so if they're doing that then how can I leverage that to inspire somebody to look at this or, you know, again, even if they don't go into pelvic health, if you can inspire somebody to go back and work in that community and they're just aware of these things to have these conversations. Um, again, like if it's not my voice on social media that they're listening to or that they're following, who can I inspire that they will listen to? Um, right. So it becomes this kind of trickle down sort of thing. Like I, it, it's not about me and, and, you know, I want to be the savior of all pelvic floor. It's not like that. It's like, how many people can I at least kind of inspire to at least start the conversations right. so that the conversations are starting to happen? Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I know like Zoe just a few weeks ago, she, she, she referred someone out for, for pelvic floor issues, yeah. um, you know, and, and just like that awareness. So it'd have to be like a pelvic, you know, you don't, you don't need to create an army of pelvic floor specialists. Exactly. And that's but, why I said, not every woman needs to see a pelvic floor PT. If we, if you just like have some contact with somebody that has some knowledge or, you know, there's, there's a lot of basic stuff that's cleaned up really fast with a couple easy things. Like, honestly, like have, have at least some knowledgeable resource Right. It's getting good information. That, that's um, one thing I was, I want to talk with you about, yeah. you know, the issue of like proactive versus reactive care. I mean, mm -hmm. we do a lot of proactive stuff, you know, mm -hmm. at big league in terms of like, it's great to like, you know, if something happens, like, yes, we can definitely, you know, take care of it. 
but yep. like, wouldn't it be better to prevent these things from happening in the first place? Right. How much of that do you see, like in the, especially like in the pre versus postpartum world? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think in this area, again, and, and I get to say this because I am one, um, I think there's a lot more women that are trying to educate themselves ahead of time and um, preemptive coming in for visits or asking questions. And, and I, I am getting a lot of that on social media where people are like, hey, I'm pregnant now. What do you think I should do? Or what should I be looking for? And that sort of thing. Um, I think equally important is educating them on things that to, to look out for, but not things to necessarily worry about. Um, there's a ton of kind of fear that surrounds pregnancy and birth. And, you know, especially because our bodies completely change as women yeah. and there's some aesthetics that are wrapped up in that. Um, and it's a lot more than the medical, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I think just anything where you can have a conversation about, um, here's some things like, you're not going to remember this right now, but I, I do want something to pop in your head later on. So that if you, if you're noticing this, you want to dive down that rabbit hole a little bit more and, and, and look into it a little bit more, or also too, like, these are the possible resources um, and voices that you should be listening to that are great resources in your community. So just anything to get them, especially mom communities that uh, pass around resources really well, like anything where you can get support systems, I think is, is super huge, where there's just good, strong voices with, with clear reason and, and lack of fear and just, you know, good information. What, what are some of those things that people should be looking out for? Yeah. So with, um, <laughs> uh, with women, the biggest kind of like red, yellow flags I talk about is nothing really should be flying out of your body. And I say that in, in a almost like kind of comical way, because I don't want you to forget it. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, like you shouldn't, you shouldn't have lack of control of urine or gas or stool. Um, and I, I think, you know, initially, especially after delivery, you've got a lot of fluids coming out of your body, um, almost like an obsessive amount. And so trying to unpack all that and when that's supposed to stop, no one tells you this stuff. Right. Um, and, and honestly, like, again, you know, when you're pregnant, you hear all these stories and you're like, oh, that won't happen to me. And then you completely, it's the same thing with dog owners. You're like, oh, my dog won't, you know, chew the furniture. Yes, they will. <laughs> oh, I've been telling Megan, I was like, this dog is going to keep us up. Um, you know, you're going to have to take it's it out. It's a lot faster than kids. I think I told you that we, we got a puppy right before COVID and she's in her teenage week right now. Like the girl's like an annoying toddler right now, but like, it's way easier than a kid. But um, yeah, so nothing flying out of your body, heaviness or pressure in the perineum. And that's something a lot of people are like, well, what do you mean by that? If you're asking me that you don't have it. It's something that's very obvious. Um, sometimes people complain about it being like feeling like a tampon's kind of starting to fall out. Um, again, if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't have it. Um, other things people think about, um, they think like diastasis is painful or like diastasis, which is the abdominal separation. Right. They think that causes mummy tummy. It doesn't. They're two different things. One is fat and nutrition and metabolism, and the other one is um, more collagen and, and muscles and that sort of thing. Um, a lot of people also like to blame, you know, they're like, oh, if you have diastasis and I'm sorry, if you have low back pain and incontinence, it's because of your diastasis. 
there's no data to support that. That's the stuff that I see with a lot of these, um, you know, buy my program for $19.99 and you'll have six pack abs like me, even though you've never had six pack abs before. Like, I, I've seen that with old men and, and, uh, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're in yeah, the dasis totally. recti and then they're yeah. like, Oh, my back hurts. I'm like, no, it's no. not your diastasis. It's no. just the fact it's that you haven't worked out in 20 years. Exactly. And there's some serious pressure things going on. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, those are kind of the, the big things. Um, and, and again, in the beginning, when you're first coming home, it's normal not to, you know, have good control of, of bowel and bladder, but that should resolve relatively quickly. And I think the other thing too, is people think, oh, well, if I have a C-section, it'll spare my pelvic floor. Um, again, had two C-sections, um, and had all these issues, like you still carry a baby for nine months. Like still a, a child my, pushing down on your pelvic floor. My, my son, like both my kids, um, were born at, at 41 and a half weeks. I joke that they would still be in there if it were up to them, um, which they would. Uh, I mean, it, some of it is just the collagen that my parents gave me and I have right. no choice in that. And I wish I'd had a little bit more of a heads up on that, but um, you know, again, like trying to understand what things that you can control and what things that you don't have a say in, um, and having a healthcare team that you trust that you can communicate with, um, you know, whether it's nurses, doula, midwife, whatever it is. Um, because again, I'm, I'm a total biased data sets. So I get to see the ugly stuff. And a lot of it is when women go in and they say, oh, well, I want to have a natural delivery. I don't want to have medication. Um, this is what I want. And then unfortunately their team, if they go hell or high water, you have that natural delivery and then they guilt moms about it. And they're like, well, this is what you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and these moms are pushing for four or five, six hours when they probably should have had a C-section way before that. And as a result, they've got significant prolapse or significant issues that may not, you know, be able to be rehabbed. Right, so, right, right. Um, when, when is the, you know, you mentioned before, but the, yeah. like there's you expect to have some, you know, some symptoms initially when they first come home. Yeah. At what point are they like, I need to go see a pelvic floor therapist or I need yeah, to go see my I OBGYN. Mean, I, it, the whole, like, I, I think now like ACOG, um, which is the American college of obstetricians and gynecologists, they I'm, I'm losing track. It's, they've done a lot of stuff in the last two years. And the first one I think was just getting, earlier contact with moms postpartum. So you're supposed to have contact, whether, you know, it's in person or virtual within two to three weeks after delivery. Um, and then the next checkup is the six week one, which really, honestly, they're making sure that the stitches are healed. There's no, you know, bleeding because of the stitches, you're probably still having some, some bleeding from birth. Um, but then they're also asking you what birth control you want to be on because yeah, at six weeks when you've got milk spraying out of your boobs and you're still bleeding all over the place and you haven't slept in weeks, I'm totally thinking about sex at that point. Um, yeah. Right. So for PT, like I, when they made that switch with an ACOG, I said, well, we should be able to do that too. So I, I typically will talk to moms again, whether it's virtual or in person between two to three weeks, especially first time moms that are navigating all the aches and planes of, you know, nursing and finding the right positions and back pain and, you know, mommy thumb and all, you know, all sorts of things. Um, And so sometimes that first one is just kind of having somebody sit down with you and talk you off the cliff and what's normal and what's not. Um, But I mean, you can have bleeding after, 
Um, and just that shedding of everything that was in there for, you know, for, I guess it's in between two and five weeks. Like it's, it's a decent amount of time. Um, and then the FOPs, I typically, you know, once you're cleared for exercise, whatever that means, um, there's things you can do before then just to find abdominals using breathing strategies, but just trying to start with baseline exercise and figure out what moms want to return to. And then back to kind of what we were talking about before, how do you bridge the gap between where you are in this moment and any symptoms there are, and then what you want to get back to, because it's not at all treated like, uh, sports, like what you're used to, like it's treated as, okay, you had your kid, you're totally fine. Now you're good to go. Yeah. And the last nine months were just completely forgotten about, um, yeah. which is crazy. So now how much, uh, in your course of care, do you communicate with like OBGYNs? Um, it, it just depends. I mean, fortunately, you know, I've been in this area for 20 years. Um, and so it, it, I have some that will refer for specific issues. And then I also have a lot of women that come just because they think they should be having, you know, a little bit more care or their OB is like, no, you don't have uh, prolapse or, oh no, that leakage will go away. And they know that it isn't. And then they seek out care on their own as a patient. Right. Um, so it, I, I have some great relationships with some GYNs and urogynecologists that I've worked with over the last 20 years here. And a lot of them, it's, you know, the baseline care is good. And then we're kind of hitting a cap as far as progress goes. And we need something like a pessary fitting f- so that they can be more active with less symptoms. Or if a prolapse really, truly, you know, isn't going to respond to conservative care, um, but the mom still wants to have more kids, you know, how do we start to have those discussions about appropriate surgery without freaking people out uh, right. and that kind of thing. So it, it can kind of be the gamut of just very, very baseline stuff all the way to we've kind of cleared the path on conservative treatment, need a little bit more help. Right. One thing I saw, I think you posted on Instagram recently yeah. about was, um, you know, getting that first workout in back yeah. after surgery. I think you post something about like, basically like, you know, don't do it alone. Like, you know, do it with, you know, some guidance. Yeah. Uh, go into that a little bit. Oh gosh. So, I mean, it's, I, I think you, oh my gosh, you just read my mind. Cause I'm actually going to do a reel on that in the next day or two. <laughs> well done. Tele- telepathy. <laughs> yeah, no. So, I mean, I think especially if, um, it's, uh, an activity, anything that you've done before, I think the first thing to pay attention to is mindset because your mind thinks you pick up where you left off and your body's in a completely different place. So it's almost like going back to, you know, how you would relearn how to do something over again. Like if you're, if you're working with a bar, like how would you relearn the, the fundamentals of a deadlift? How, how would you add a breast strategy over the top of that? Like, how would you do these things from the very beginning? Um, and then, you know, have a way to progress, have a way to slowly move up piece by piece. And, you know, the nice thing is mommy and me classes are really nice places to start, but usually moms stop going at a certain point because their kid is crawling or something like that. It's honestly, it's like finding resources and people that are really familiar with, um, kind of rehabbing for your particular sport or even your, your workout class. Like I I tell people, I'm like, look, tell me what you want to do because I know you enjoy doing that. Now let me give you some strategies that you can use that works well in the context of your symptoms to make that workout work for you better. Um, So rather than saying, I have this cookbook of all these perfect exercises, 
I'm like, all right, let me give you the strategy that I know if you apply it to this is going to keep your, your symptoms in check. And if they don't, that's when we come back and dive in a little bit more. Right. Do you think people should have, um, a pre, a pre partum check-in basically almost like a, like a proactive. It makes my life easier. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) Um, I think because people do not realize, um, you know, postpartum is really the first time that you are given permission to kind of look in some of these things a little bit deeper, unless you've had some sort of injury in the past. And so I think we all walk into pregnancy thinking we're the, the you know, it's same thing with PT school. We all worked into, walked into PT school thinking we were the, you know, the, the vision of perfection. And then come to find out you've got all these things going on. Not that you're going to do anything different, but at least you have some context now for a lot of the issues that I work with and treat, it didn't happen solely because of delivery. Um, delivery was the precipitating factor to make you pay attention to it. Right, right, um, right. Like so many women that I work with that have like overactive pelvic floor. Like if you go back, one of the questions I ask is like, you know, what sports did you do growing up? Because if you were a swimmer that, um, you know, you, your, your specialty was the fly and you danced ballet and did gymnastics and cheerleading, you were a very different body type and very different kind of genetic predisposition than me that I I can't do fly. I can barely bend backwards. I was a runner and a skier and that kind of thing. And so you understand kind of movement strategies that were taught at a very young age that may come back and play a role in, in adulthood. Um, so that part is kind of cool. So, yeah, Yeah. I mean, for, for me, I would, I would love to know what people look like beforehand. And I do think it would be helpful. Right. Um, one thing I saw on your website, you're a partner with squatty potty. (laughs) So let me tell you, I am the the biggest fan of squatty potty. I am, I am Mr. Squatty potty. I, 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 uh, am a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. Um, What talk to me a little bit about that. I mean, what's the, the details behind that? Yeah. So honestly, like we're all like in pelvic health land and we're all kind of jealous of squatty potty because we've been telling people to put their feet up on stools for years. And if you think of any sort of like primitive Aboriginal culture, go back in history, people are squatting over holes. And so the fact of the matter is that, um, this company had a great marketing idea and leveraged the hell out of it, which the rest of us wish that we had done. <laughs> so, yes. I have my, I pooped today uh, yes. button. Yes. Yes. You throw, you throw a unicorn in there. I, yeah. My daughter has the stuffed animal that poops rainbow ice cream. Yes. Um, so <laughs> it's, yes. Come on. I have a daughter that knows her anatomy. She, you know, like you've got to raise kids, right? Like they've got to know the the words and everything. You know, I, I never, um, I'd never heard of the squatty potty until about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends, uh, he's came down to visit from New Jersey and, uh, and he, he shows up at my house on a Thursday night and he has to use the bathroom. And he's like, you don't have a squatty potty. Yes. Yeah. How do you not have a squatty potty? And I was like, I was like, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. He's like, Oh my guys, like I'm ordering you a squatty yeah. potty right now. Changer. And I'm like, all right, fine. So sure enough, he Amazon primes it and mm-hmm. it, it's there on Saturday and uh, the rest Life is history. Changer. So do you know how to DIY it in a hotel? Uh, no. So maybe someday when we get to go back to hotels again, take the hotel trash can and flip it over. Uh, oh, DIY it. 
Unless, of course, there's something in the hotel trash can. Well, I mean, a plan ahead. I mean, come on. <laughs> no, but honestly, because I mean, you, if you think about when you are constipated, yeah, it's with travel. And that like is one of the most awful things is to be constipated when you travel. And it's oh, amazing. Yeah. Like I will seek out, you know, back when we went into public restrooms, the lowest possible um, toilet as opposed to all these really high, think about it. I mean, it's all these ADA toilets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which are way yeah. too high. And you and I are like average height. Right. And it's still too high for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And think about it in the hospital postpartum. The first time you're- Oh, going they're to all super high, yeah. Is on an ADA toilet. Yes. And that's an awful poop, by the way. I'm just going to tell you that one up front. Like, I can only imagine. Oh, it's horrible. And plus you were on, you know, if you're on any sort of pain meds, that's got you all backed up. Like I've had so surgery good. before and yeah, I know. Oh, I, it's it, so took me, yeah, it took me a, a, like three or four days after my shoulder surgery. So I yes. can only imagine. No, stool softeners are, are your best friend for after any of that birth, stuff. Yeah, but exactly. yeah, that's how you DIY it. So maybe someday when they let good us out know. of all of this. Um, good to know. I got good you covered. Yeah. Um, all right, so we're, we're going to wrap it up here. I got a few more questions okay uh what's the uh what's the last book you read oh goodness uh i'm all over the place i don't i don't know if i can remember the names of the books that i read um i obviously have to read some kids books we're reading one about a robot now um i the the last one i remember the name of was atomic habits Ah, but then i also will i i somehow at times have to go light and um michelle obama's autobiography Oh yeah. I got that for Megan for uh, Christmas last year. She still yes. has it. It's okay. I'm also like, I want to read the new one by Barack Obama, but I'm also back and forth between that and like Matthew McConaughey's one, because come on, it's Matthew McConaughey. Of course. Of course. <laughs> what's the, uh, what's the last sh- uh, show you've watched on Netflix? Mm. It was either the crown or Queen's Gambit. Okay. Yep. Queen's Gambit was good. It was good. It was I feel good. like I have to watch The Crown. Everyone's been talking about it. Oh, you haven't? No. Oh. Oh, yeah, oh you God. Should. So. No, it's like. It, <laughs> oh, looking down your nose at me. Like a true Brit looking down your no, nose. No, like, I, I was like, I feel like that was so a couple years ago. So. <laughs> no, but I mean, we'll have the new yeah. episodes out now. But. Um, yes. Yep. And then what's. Uh, What's what? Because you've lived you've lived in DMV now for how many years now? I moved here in May two thousand one, right before nine eleven. Okay, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's been nineteen years. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh-huh. What's one thing everybody should experience in the DMV here? Oh gosh. Oh wow, that's a good one. Experience, food. You know, I mean, two things. Can I have two? You can't say the mall. The mall doesn't count. Okay. I'm not going to say the mall, but I am going to say two things. You One is that, and and I did this literally the first couple of years I lived here because I was still just in awe of, I was here. And I don't, you know know what it is. Like people, you don't drive around here unless you, you know, have visitors. And of course we don't have visitors anymore. Just like, I think stand on the Virginia side and look at the mall, so it's not the mall, but look at it and just kind of remember for a hot second where you are. But I think the other thing too is just, you know, I, I've actually been in Arlington most of the time that I've been here. I moved to Arlington in 02. Um, I'm gonna cry, wow, that's weird. Um, no, this is my home, like this is my home. And so 
especially right now, so many of our small businesses, like I, I work right next to Live in the Pie Life, amazing mom-owned uh, pie business. Their beautiful smell of pies flows in my window. It's a godsend. Like, oh, that's nice. Um, you know, small businesses like Pytanza, um, even uh, Junri, like any of the small businesses here, it's even though we're in a metropolitan area, come find these tiny little places that just make up the community. And I'm so lucky to be able to live and work in my community. And, you know, back when we could all work out together yeah. and hang out and just be around people that just make it feel small town. That's, that's um, why I love like the, um, there's like the Washington side of things, which is like the, pol the politics. And then there's yeah. like the side, which is all like the creatives and the small businesses. And, yeah. and uh, that's what makes the city, I think in the whole area, I think so special. It does. It's such a, like, there's so many people that I know that it, it like, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever it is, you know? Um, right, right, right. And, and that's what I think is, is so nice. And especially when you've been here as long as I have, and there's a lot of transients, everybody's in and out and that's oh, yeah. part of it, but still, um, you know, the people that have been here for so long in the businesses and that sort of thing. I just, that, that's what's so, so close to my heart. I think being here now. What, uh, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last week? <laughs> well, of course you, right? <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh gosh. Give me something good. Give me some good news. I picked up a barbell in my driveway and it felt good as hell because I finally was able to get some heavier weights. How about that one? <laughs> All right. I like it. Did you did you buy the barbell? Um, so I've had the barbell. So <laughs> I got super lucky. Um, I've had some equipment anyway. And then the first week of shutdown, I decided to make a nice little order to Rogue um, because it was stuff I, I use for clinic anyway, because I, I work with lifters. And so it just so happens that now my clinic gear is sitting in my garage because I don't have as many in-person clients. Um, so I'm, I'm trying, you, you got to practice what you preach. Right. And Absolutely. so, but now like, it's so hard to get heavier weights. Like you've got to sell a child basically, or, you know, there, yeah, there was a, <laughs> it was like a nationwide, uh, fitness equipment shortage for yes. like the entire spring and summer. Yes. And then things started to come back and now I feel like they're going to start disappearing again. Yes. I just rogue just popped up something yesterday and they're like, Hey, we have this. And I was like, I want that. I need that. Cause I had a feeling it's, it's going to happen again. Yeah, and, Rogue and has like, you have like the rogue bots you can like follow that'll tell oh, yeah. you when like oh, yeah. Yeah, new equipment drops and stuff like that. Totally. Yeah. One, one yeah. website I, I found to have like stuff is, um, fringe sports. Uh, a colleague of mine in Michigan, um, she let me know of that. And then a friend of mine also, there's someplace, I can't remember it in uh, Alabama, they make weights there too. So ah. there's other places around, but again, like just, I, that's what I miss the most, honestly, is just, um, and, and it was cold as hell yesterday morning. There were some, there were some snowflakes. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. So I, I am a, a Nordic skier, um, not anymore, but like to be outside in the cold and doing something that just feels a little hard, just felt good. So that that's my pick. <laughs> All right. I like it. All right, Carrie, that is it for today. Thanks for coming on. Uh, we awesome. appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance and Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.